your love release salvation by the mercy tree. Spiritual 
life. Jesus came. He gave. He, he came so that we could receive. And he came so that we could have eternal life. I just thought I would get that out just at the start of things. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul defines the gospel. Um, verse 3 says, For I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That's what we celebrate Good Friday. Christ died according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, According to the scriptures. That's Easter in a nutshell. Good Friday is a time where we, we gather. We gather to remember what was given on our behalf. What was given on our behalf. Good Friday we take time to remember the beatings. And the sufferings. And the purple robe that they made our Lord and Savior wear. Good Friday is a time where we remember and we read through and we, we really pay close attention to the trials, the mockery, the crown of thorns that was, was forced on his brow. Good Friday is a time where we, we think about those words as his own people uh, yelled out in, in the mob, away with this man and released to us Barabbas. I can't even fathom that today, that they would choose <laughs> choose a felon over the Son of God. Good Friday is when we pay, pay attention and we think through those words, crucify him, crucify him, that, that was shouted with such vehemence. We think of the agony on that Good Friday as he, he made that long journey broken, up to Calvary. We think of the nails driven in his hands and his feet. That sour wine put to his lips. Good Friday is for, for a time of remembering those last words or his words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. His words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, spoken on that Friday? His words, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. So when we understand what he gave on our behalf, that it becomes a good Friday. Verses like Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says... But God demonstrates his own love towards us. And then while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. I can't help but think as we gather, many of us know this truth. Many of us have, have, have spent years acknowledging Jesus as Lord, but it's Easter that brings us together for us who have placed 
our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Easter and the Good Friday that puts the visual for those that need to make that choice. That picture of Jesus on that cross, it's a visual for those that need to make that choice. Because Easter is a time of remembrance of the price that was paid for my sin. For my sin. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful we can gather here this evening. We're so thankful that we can sing and worship freely in this place. We're so thankful for what you did on the cross some 2,000 years ago. Lord, my prayer is this evening, Lord, that our hearts will be open and sensitive to to what you have to say, to how you're moving this evening, Lord. And that we would be brought closer to you, Lord, with thankful, examined hearts. Be very close to us this evening. In your precious name, amen. Thank 
singing yet. Good evening, folks. My name is Tim Lubner. Um, if you'll stand and sing with me when I survey the wondrous cross. <laughs>
so they won't be detected. They'll come from different directions, they'll go in different doors, if there's different doors, and then they'll have a hushed uh, worship service and then take hours to leave again to go home. The challenge, the pressure here is for me to uh, be done in 12 minutes. And uh, hopefully we'll, I'll be able to do that. I'm going to speak on the bread. We're going to have communion and uh, speak on what the bread means and, uh, and of what it is a symbol. But a true New Testament local church teaches the Bible, baptizes believers, serves communion, and disciplines sinning believers. And so what is this part of our worship that is called the communion or the Lord's table or the Eucharist? Well, the main elements are bread and wine. They are commonplace. They are commonplace items of food and, uh, and food and drink. But because they are not extravagant does not mean that uh, the reality of their symbol is mediocre. They represent, the bread represents the body of Jesus Christ. Young and old, rich and poor, novice believers and mature believers drink the same cup and eat of the same bread. The first two commandments are pretty straightforward. Thou shalt not have any other God before me. And that does not mean that if you've got four gods, why Jehovah is number one, that means you only have one God. And the second one is, is not to make uh, any kind of a representation of uh, the infinite God. And yet, the night before he was betrayed, gave us this observance of real food, real drink, physically ingesting this food and this drink, and yet we dare not make them idols. And you know the controversies over the Lord's table and, and the various uh, things about it, but we must not make it an idol. These elements are symbols. The night before Jesus was betrayed, he's with his disciples, and he says in Mark 14, verse 22, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Jesus did not cut flesh off his arm or his leg to give to his disciples. This bread was a symbol of his body. And so I would warn you, if you believe that um, Jesus did cut flesh off of his uh, body and give to his disciples, or if these elements become flesh and blood, why well, I, I would warn you not to take the Lord's Supper. You would be partaking in an unworthy manner and uh, Paul dealt with that in the Corinthian church. He says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the blood, body and blood of the Lord. 
But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. How serious is it? For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep or have died, because they have partaken of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. This service has its roots in the Old Testament Passover, the Old Testament Passover ceremony, and the many animal sacrifices uh, that were used in uh, carrying out the various uh, ceremonies. And if you read through Leviticus, you will fi often find the words uh, without blemish. Uh, a sheep without blemish, an ox without blemish, uh, animals without blemish. They were to offer animals that were clean. Now obviously no animal in this fallen world can be perfect. That is part of the fallenness of the world. Um, but the people were to choose the very best. And their bodies being sacrificed pointed ahead to uh, Jesus' body being sacrificed on the cross. But his body was literally without blemish in thought, word, and deed, and motive. If Christ had been blemished in any way, he would have had to have died for his own sin and could not have been our Savior. And we would all die and go to hell forever which is what we deserve. He could not have been the substitutionary sacrificial offering on the cross for our transgressions unless he uh, were perfect. Jesus suffered before he ever got to the cross. As a young child, Herod tried to kill him. Throughout his earthly ministry, the religious leaders tried to kill him. People didn't believe he was a promised Messiah, and for the, for a good percentage of the people followed him to have their bellies filled and their bodies healed. His inner circle of followers often didn't didn't understand his real mission. Pilate treated him shamefully. He would not uphold justice, and he crucified. Jesus, which was and possibly still is the most cruel way uh, to die. And I heard a sermon uh, last week uh, on, and the man was uh, speaking of the horrible experience that Jesus went through before he even got to the cross. I want you to know it turned my stomach. And many men did not even make it to the cross. They died in the flogging before they ever got there. And I in no way want to make light of Jesus' physical suffering. In no way at all. But his body was broken far more severely than what the treatment he received before he got on the cross or while he was on the cross. 1 Peter 2.24 says... And it's talking about Christ, talking about submission in the previous verses. 
And verse 21, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Jesus took the sins of everyone who had or ever would believe in him. And we can't enter into that very much, because we still have a love affair with sin. We're still crucifying sin every day. Uh, we realize how terribly we fail and how and what sinners we are. But that was terrifying beyond imagination to the sinless Son of God to take the sins of people upon himself. Jesus did not become a sinner on the cross, but he bore our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he, that is God the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. If you believe that Jesus became a sinner, again I would ask you not to partake in the table. What an awful blasphemy against the Father's dear sinless Son to think that he became a sinner. But there was another experience on the cross even more painful and horrible than that. When the Father saw our sin upon his Son, he poured out his wrath on his own precious son. His son with whom he had lived in perfect harmony, perfect love in eternity. And is it any wonder that he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had never known such a thing. Isaiah 53 Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Now that does not mean the father got some sort of uh, devious pleasure out of crushing his son, but it was his will in carrying out the covenant that he had made with his son and with the spirit. The father is putting the grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Why? Because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He bore the sin of many. He made intercession for the transgressors. Amen. If 
pleased the Lord to bruise and crush his son so that Christ would see his seed for whom he had suffered this infinite wrath the hands of his heavenly father well how much or to what degree did the father punish his son sometimes fathers can go overboard sometimes fathers can not go far enough Will you realize that an eternity in hell will not pay for even one of your sins? Why is hell eternal? Because we can never ever pay the penalty of our sins. Even one sin, even what we might call uh, a minor sin. How many times? Have you sinned since you've been here? I haven't been counting. Uh, but how many times have you sinned today? How many times have you sinned this week? How many times have you sinned in your lifetime? And Jesus Christ bore the penalty for all of those that you might go free. But Jesus didn't suffer for you only. He was crushed for the sins of all those that he came to save, whose number is more than the sand of the sea, more than the stars in the heavens. So we have perfect God crushing his perfect son. So that's sinful you could be clothed in Christ's righteousness, clothed by faith alone in Jesus Christ. So you could be declared righteous. So you could stand before God and live. There's nothing so spectacular about the bread. Uh, we had the privilege of having unleavened bread this afternoon at nursing home. Uh, there's nothing spectacular about it, but the reality of the symbol is definitely spectacular. So I trust that you will rejoice in your Savior as you partake of the bread. Amen. Let's stand together once more.
because you sin. You sin, the blood pays the price for that sin. And the third thought is, you need to be clean when he comes. You sin, blood pays the price for sin, and you need to be clean for when he comes. As I started chasing that thought out, it took me back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 31 in the garden, after the sixth day. Where it says, then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. We know God's creation, it was perfect, it was untainted, it was, it was good, it was clean. But we also know that Satan, the adversary, is always seeking whom he may devour. And we are brought to the place where we know man sinned. We are brought to the place where we understand that sin separates man from God. Sin separates man from God, and we understand, as as Adam and Eve were, were exiled from the garden, we understand that there is a cost to sin. You sin, I sin, sin separates us, there is a cost for sin. Genesis Chapter 3, verse 21, brings us to the first first picture of the cost for sin, where it says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. The price for sin was set. Blood it would be, the animal was slain, the tunics were made. From there, I continued asking myself the question, why the blood, why the visual, why the, why the picture for us? 
And, and it brought me to that place of, of where we know the instructions for the atonement or the covering of sin was given. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3, brings us to that well-known story of Cain and Abel. Verse 3 says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Verse 4 tells us, Abel was brought, pardon me, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And we know that, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Cain brought the first fruits of his harvest. Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. And when you spend time thinking about that and you're thinking about the atonement and the covering, the, the price that's paid by the spilt blood of that lamb, you begin to see that picture as Abel spilt that blood and, and, and Cain saying, no, you would not do that in horror. In horror. The price for atonement, that covering of sin is horrific. Spilt blood on your behalf is horrific. But so is sin before God. So is sin before God. If we come ahead 2,500 years or so, we find ourselves with the, the children of Abraham in bondage in Egypt. They're, they're not just in bondage, they're, they're engaged. They're entrenched. They're embracing the ways of Egypt. We have the instructions in Exodus 12 given for the deliverance of God's people. What was necessary for the deliverance of God's people? What was necessary for the, the visual for God's people? Exodus chapter 12, verse 7. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the, the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Verse 13 of Exodus 12 says, Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I, this is God speaking, when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. It became a teaching thing. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. The price for deliverance of God's people, the blood of the Passover lamb was spilled. It was put on the, the lintel and doorpost as a sign for them. And assigned to God on their behalf. Why? Because a choice was given to the people. Be covered by the blood and be saved, or pay the price for your own sin of disobedience. 
The visual, what? The visual of the blood. You come ahead, come ahead to the tabernacle. Exodus 35 to Leviticus. We have the nation of Israel. You have God's people. God's people left a trail through the wilderness marked by blood. Blood marked the entrance into God's promises. The visual. It was before the people. Leviticus chapter 4 verse 27 to 30 says this. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done and is guilty. Or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge that he shall bring as an offering a kid of the goats, a female without blemish for his sin which he has committed. And he shall lay his hand on the head of that sin offering and kill the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering. The visual of the blood. Then the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. The visual. I sin. You sin. People sin. Blood covers but pays the price for sin. We need to be clean for when he comes. You come ahead a little bit further to 1 Kings, Solomon's temple. In 1 Kings chapter 8, you have tens of thousands of blood sacrifices made every year. Between the tabernacle and temple, it really is mind-boggling. You have 1,400 years of, of blood being spilled for atonement. Now we know that's the covering of sin in order to come before a holy God. Placing the price of sin before the people. A horrific visual of how God sees sin. The price of salvation, which we know that was coming, the Old Testament believer was looking forward to, we could go back to Genesis 22 for that, but the price of salvation, that redemption that was to come, was to be paid by the precious blood of the promised lamb. The promised lamb. God's program for man always pointed to the perfect sacrifice that was to come, the Messiah. But we know the fullness of time came. We know the perfect lamb was born of a virgin. We know that the perfect lamb lived a sinless life. He brought the message from the Father, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, you must be born again. We see that in the beginning of the Gospels. The perfect sacrifice, God himself, Son of God, Son of Man, fully God, fully man, contained within himself what only could and what only would pay the price for sin, for my sin, 
for your sin, for the sin of the world. Right from, from Adam to the very moment you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right from that very moment where you understood that you were a sinner. That that sin separates you from God. Right at that very moment where you understood that the Lord Jesus Christ came. He was beaten. He was mocked. He, he made that journey. He, he, he allowed himself to be nailed to that cross. He shed his blood on your behalf. The blood paid the price. And when you looked and you, you asked for forgiveness. And you looked to, look to the cross and you said, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Be my Savior. Help me turn from who I once was and then live for you. Jesus paid that price. He willingly redeemed you by allowing his blood to be poured out on your behalf. The price for sin according to God's person, the price for sin according to God's holiness was blood. Was blood. Hebrews chapter 9 Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. says, And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Hebrews 9, verse 28. Again, with this picture, this visual of blood, and we need to understand that I sin, it's you sin, and that the blood pays the price for sin and that we need to be clean for when he returns or we're called home. It says, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ gave it all on your behalf. On your behalf. So now, as we're preparing our hearts for the Lord's table, and now we're now we're here. We 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 work through the Gospels. We turn to First Corinthians eleven, and then we are so thankful for what the Lord Jesus Christ did on our behalf. We take the time to 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 remember remember all these things. We take the time to examine examine our hearts to ensure that we're worthy examine our hearts to make sure that that we're in fellowship Ex examine our hearts to make sure that we're clean why the blood why all through the the scriptures do we have that visual that picture that's put before us it's because he's coming again we should get an amen from that he's coming again whether we're called home or whether he returns, it matters not. We are going to find ourselves standing before our Lord and Savior. Why the blood? Why, why the visual? It's because I sin. And it's because you sin. And that blood that he shed on the cross, that, that paid the price for sin. And we need to be clean for when he returns. 1 John 
chapter 1. And I couldn't think of a better, better passage of Scripture approaching in light of Easter time, in light of the topic of, of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, in light of approaching the Lord's table. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. It says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. There's no taints. There's no, there's no unperfect anything. There's no sin. And if we say, and it's speaking to, to believers and those that are professing, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. There's no in-between. There's no gray area. There's no kind of. It's one or the other. Verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he, in the, he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Here we are again. We're looking at the cross. We're looking at what we, what we remember and celebrate at Easter. The cleansing blood of his Son, and if we say, back looking at ourselves, the visual, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Thank you, God, for verse 9. Thank you, God, for verse 9. This is, this is why the blood was shed on the cross. This is why Good Friday is Good Friday. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen to that. <laughs> thank you, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Verse 10 says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Why the blood? Because I sin, you sin. Blood is the, the payment for sin. Blood is the cleansing agent for the believer. And we need to be clean for when he comes. And I wonder, and I wonder, and I do a lot of wondering, how many times this little letter of the first, first John was read before observing the Lord's table. The Lord's table is the past, it's the present, and it's the, the future interaction with the sovereign God. It, it's, it's our fellowship. It's how we maintain it. We desperately need it. Because Jesus Christ paid the way. Jesus Christ has given you every resource, every teaching. Jesus Christ has given you every reminder that he's coming again. And as we approach the Lord's table, really, the bottom line is your heart condition is up to you. Your heart condition is up to you. And this Easter, <laughs> we need to remember that. And as we approach the Lord's table, recognizing what we're saved by. Recognizing what we're cleansed by. Recognizing what we're looking forward to his return. Let's just prepare our hearts as we approach the table. We'll take a minute just to, just to pause in silence. Prepare your hearts and then as the, the minute comes up, the gentleman will come forward and, and we'll proceed.
Sorry, I jumped the gun. I'm going to pray right now uh, for what Christ did on the cross and how he broke his body for you and for me. So let's close our eyes and let's pray together. Lord, we know that the preaching of the cross is then that perish foolishness, Lord. We are living in a day and age where People laugh to scorn your name, who you are, and what you did. But Lord, let us never forget that when John the Baptist seen you walking up the River Jordan, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And Lord Jesus, we know that that was you, and that you went to that old rugged cross for a sinner such as I. You gave of your body. You were beaten, battered, and bruised. And Lord, we rejoice in you being our God, you being our Lord, and you being our Savior. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we lift this table up to you because it's about you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Jesus broke the bread and passed it to his disciples. And he said, eat this in remembrance of me. And some people uh, object to the fact that this is a memorial service. And I agree that it isn't only a memorial service. I'd like to say if we remember Jesus more. Uh, a lot of these other things that people say that we should uh, think about and we should um, learn about Jesus would come if we remember him. Someone said that the first 20 seconds after the last amen gives you a good idea how much you remembered. So I trust that the first 20 seconds you will remember the Lord Jesus. And so Jesus said to all of his disciples to eat it. I invite you to eat of the bread. Let's pray also for the cup. Our Father in heaven, Pastor Jeremy painted a wonderful picture of the blood sacrifices in the Old Testament, of the blood of the Lamb covering the doorposts of the homes of the people you've saved. And we thank you, Lord, for your shed blood for us today, that we too can have salvation through Jesus Christ. Just bless this element to us, we pray, as we worship together. In Christ's name, amen.
found myself reading through Matthew 26 when I was thinking about Easter and then observing the Lord's table and, and the conversations after we've spent time remembering and acknowledging sin and the covering of sin and the conversations that I'm sure these disciples had <laughs> for the next three days as, as they, they pondered and, and tried to make sense of what had just happened and as they anticipated what they were promised. Matthew 26, verse 26 says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood, of the new covenant promised in Jeremiah 31, promised in Ezekiel 36. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Disciples were learning, we're learning, we're looking. Easter is a reminder. This is a reminder. I wrote these couple thoughts down. This was a learning thing for them. This was a remembering thing for us. Remembering what? The blood of Jesus saves. The blood of Jesus saves. So do this in remembrance. Thank <laughs> you.
restaurant food that they had on Love Bread. Yeah. Very good on Love Bread. Very fine. We're buying it on Oh, recorder. Do you want me to hit any buttons? Do I hit any buttons? Oh, 